Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Well, we had, uh, as Pastor Chris said, we had a couple uh, days where we were working uh, in D.C. We really felt a prayer trip. Some of you have been with us on prayer trips to D.C., very, very powerful. And, um, and then we took two days, to, two days off and went uh, up to New York City and had some time just to hang around there and have some fun, except that Nicole slingshotted out of Florida and uh, just soaked us on Friday in New York City. So we were, we were just trudging through mud puddles all day on Friday. Anyway, but it was still a fun couple of days off after those couple of days of, of prayer is work. How many know prayer is work? And it really is. It can be challenging. But we prayed all over the place and had written out prayers from some of our great prayer leaders here in the church. It was a great time to to go and see and be part of just uh, believing God for our nation. We need revival. We need restoration. Amen? Amen. We continue with part two on our series of that uh, faith that moves mountains. Today is called Pushing Back the Mountains. I want to get right into the core of it right now. Very quickly, one text today, Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, so when he says for, he's connecting the thought. He says, so I'm, I'm showing you this, have faith in God and connecting it to this. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you'll have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray together one more time. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We, Lord, we lift up your word, your holy word that is unchangeable. We cannot be swayed or moved. Your word is truth and you cannot lie. And so today we we double down trusting in your holy word. Thank you for deliverance from this storm. Thank you for restoration in our state, Lord. Now that both sides of our coastline have experienced destruction, God, we need you to rebuild, restore the people, the homes, the shorelines, everything that we need, Father. We invite you to come. You are a restorer, and we ask you to do it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Do you realize that your faith can move mountains? Maybe not literally pick up uh, a physical mountain, Stone Mountain in Georgia. You're not going to move it uh, in some way by your words, but it's not a literal thing. But physical, you know, it's not about volcanic glaciers or physical hills, but mountains in Scripture represent governments, represent kingdoms, represent any obstacle that appears unmovable. And we have to guard ourselves, we said last week, from spiritual laziness where we start coasting in our faith and we start, we start trusting in our trust instead of God's ability and his promises of his word. Faith 
Bible faith is always based on what God has said and what God is saying. It's not just based on a, a, a conjecture or a feeling or I hope so. You've got to put your faith in God. We said faith is dynamic, never static, meaning it's either always growing or shrinking. It's either expanding or contracting, and it only grows intentionally. Faith doesn't grow because you're a nice person. Faith doesn't grow um, because you uh, occasionally stop by church. Faith doesn't grow because you look at uh, church services online. We're glad you're doing those things. But, th but, but faith grows with intentionality. You have to be going after a growing faith and realizing that you don't have it yet. Paul the Apostle, toward the end of his life, said, look, I, I, that I, uh, my, my striving is that I may know him. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and yet he still said, I'm, I'm, what I really want to do is get to know Jesus better, that I can, that I can understand him and, and the fellowship of his sufferings, that I can get a, uh, take hold of him and get to know him better and better. And the words there are that I can get to know him more intimately and become more acquainted with him. The more intimate you become with God, the more your faith grows. And the more you're kind of checked out doing your religious deal, faith checks out as well. Faith is dynamic, never static. We said it's like a muscle. And I want to remind you this. Faith is like a muscle in this. It hurts when you first start to exercise it. It can cramp up. It's harder. When you haven't been praying or leaning into God, it feels like a million ton weight to start. But gradually, as you start to exercise that muscle, it doesn't hurt anymore, and now prayer gets easier. Prayerlessness and prayer both get easier the more you practice them. So if you, do, if you, if you quit praying, you're going to get a cramp when you start to pray again, but you're not going to always have that feeling, that, that, that obstacle. It gets so much easier as you develop new habits of prayer, praise, worship, the pursuit of God's presence, and suddenly there's a flow again, and the flow feels better. Why? Because it's, 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 your, it's your faith reaching out to grab a hold of living God, and God meets you at your point of faith. God meets you at your point of faith. Say amen. amen. Faith involves believing in, trusting in, and relying on the living God and diligently seeking him, we said last week. Diligence, the word diligence, I want to define that for you real quickly. Diligence means careful and persistent work or effort. So it takes effort. It takes energy. You're, listen, in, in everything in life, you're never going to get um, more out than you put in, whether it's schoolwork, whether it's your job, it, whatever you're putting into something, you're putting energy and effort and interest into something, you're going to get that back exponentially, especially in God. But the problem is we can, the reverse is also true. Now, I want to say this. The Word of God is very, very practical. It's very practical. It affects the daily lives of every person. That's where I believe religion gets it wrong. Pastor Chris was talking about his church he grew up in. I grew up in a completely different denomination than he did, but a similar experience. At least in his denomination, they were talking about getting saved. In my denomination, they were, they were, they were talking about um, moralisms, uh, be kind 
You know, be kind to one another. And kindness is important, but kindness doesn't get you to heaven. Kindness doesn't get your relationship with God. Kindness, there, there are a lot of kind, unsaved people. So what happens is you, you, get, you get, I had a false sense of security in that I was a pretty good person. And I trusted in myself for salvation. But you, you, we, we, our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. Because God's standard is perfection and only one was perfect and is perfect today and he wants to live through you. So I would say the word, word of God is very, very practical. Jesus dealt with people's daily issues and needs on a regular basis. And that's where we gotta make sure, that see, faith to me is that kind of practical. Faith, when Jesus is talking about mountains here, he's not talking about physical mountains. He's talking about stuff we all deal with. And he's saying that there's an answer for it. I'm gonna give you four points today and a few little subheadings in between. But I'll give you four points to think about today. Number one, Jesus said, have the kind of faith that God has. Have the kind of faith that God has. Now, um, when Jesus says it, he releases the power of God to do it. So he's not just saying, here's a new command. I'm going to give you this command. No, he's saying, I want to empower you to have the same kind of faith that God has. Now, we don't think of God as having faith, but that's what the word says. That everything God does operates in faith. And we'll drill down to that more in a few moments. But understand, Jesus supplies both ability and permission. When he does something, he releases the power to do it. Jesus is the living word. He's the Bible with skin on. You can't get to know Jesus apart from the Bible. You can't get to know the Bible apart from Jesus. Jesus is the living word. And as such, when he speaks, that living word is releasing the power to perform what he just said. He's not trying to put another yoke on you. Remember, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He's not trying to give us more stuff to do to be holy. He's trying to tell you how to live life. He says, first of all, have the God kind of faith. Have the kind of faith God has. God operates in faith. You have to operate in faith. Now, what does that mean? Faith primarily involves three things. And even in the life of God, you'll see these things. Number one, believing. Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart. Number two, speaking. Whoever believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord, confesses with his mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, he will be saved, right? Romans chapter 10. So believing, speaking, and number three is corresponding action. There's an action to faith. There's a, there's a step. There's something that activates faith. You do something with your faith. It's not a head knowledge. And I want to clarify here. When we're talking about um, faith and speaking, we're not talking about positive. There are people that, uh, Robert Schuller used to talk about positive confessions and positive things. <clears throat> Listen, positive is better than negative. But your positive words are powerless unless they're connected to his word. So we, we're talking about speaking the word, not just speaking good words. Speaking God words. So we come into agreement with God 
and his holy word, believing, speaking, corresponding action. James, the book of James says, faith without works is dead. Now let's talk for a minute about the difference between faith and presumption. I could, I could just do the whole thing on this, but I don't have time. There's a difference between faith and presumption. Let me give you a good definition of the word presume. It means to make a pre of you and me. No, that's, no, that's, the, that's assume. Sorry, that's a different one. No. So presume is to suppose something is the case based on probability. To presume is to suppose something is the case based on probability. It makes sense. It's logical. So you, when you presume something, though, you're presuming something based on your desire and your heart and not necessarily God's heart or God's timing. We've all gotten in trouble before in times where we heard from God or we had a thought and God breathed something in us, but, but we took it and kind of ran with the interpretation of it. So let me just tell you, so years ago, and some of you were with us, we were in a building about three miles south, right on 441, and we were in a little warehouse building, and we, we, were, we were just renting, and we found out that the guy that was renting it to us was in trouble with the IRS. He allowed the church to be in there because he thought it would shield him from the IRS taking his assets. So we didn't know that for a long time, and we were there, we were there a few years. Well, once we found out what was going on, we said, we need to buy land. So we prayed, and, and somebody in the church said, hey, the land right around us in this L shape is it's right over by Bellevue Santos Elementary. That, that five, that's five acres. That's for sale. So let's pursue. So the guy wanted cash, and we started to raise some money, and we went, and we, as a church, we did something with that time. Some of you were with us. We went and we marched around that land. <clears throat> we did a Jericho march. We did a six days, once around five acres, which is really, that's good exercise. <laughs> and then we, um, the seventh day, we went around it seven times, which five acres, seven times, went around the perimeter of it. It was and a great exercise as well. At the end of the time, the money didn't come through and the guy wanted cash and we were trusting God and it was, it was challenging to my faith. That was when I started to learn the that is better principle. That sometimes God shows you something to put your faith on that isn't the real thing because the real thing isn't ready yet. So we operated by that but here's the great news. When it came time to buy this land, we had already made certain steps of faith and activated our faith in that time. And God was like, I'll take that, what you did there, and I'm gonna see the fulfillment here because that was, that was a shadow. Here's your substance. So it was one of those things where so for, a while, for maybe, I don't know, gosh, two years, I was like, why do we do that? Why, you know, what, what was that about, God? I felt with everything in me to walk that land and claim that land. And then the deal, it, it, it fizzled, it fell through because the guy wanted the whole thing or nothing. But some of the money we raised then went into the, into the savings 
to save up for what would open up, which was this. You see what I'm saying? So there are, there are times in our lives where, so we presume, okay, uh, this guy's having a problem with the building. He's trying to do something shady. We're, gonna, we're about to be out of this building. God's gonna open up something next. And we found, and that land opened up. So it looked like this is the way forward. It wasn't, it was a way forward. It wasn't the way forward. Do you understand? So understand that faith, you've got to be flexible in your faith, not to get lost in what made sense. What made sense was that five acres. What made no sense was 24 acres in a better spot. You hear me? What made no sense was 24 acres of land in a better spot for about the same money almost as what that was going to be for five acres that wasn't really on the frontage. It had a little tiny frontage on 441 and the rest was backed up to uh, 95th Street or the above Santos. God had a better thing going. We just didn't, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the people. We didn't have the, all, everything we needed yet to take this land. But we took that next step. We took it in faith, but it was, some of it was presumption on our part because it, it was the next logical thing that God opened. This is why we trust God now for that or better because God will give you something to look at while he's still working over here because he, can't, he, he doesn't want your hope to be deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I hope you're tracking that today because that's really, really important that you get that. God is not bound or limited by that which is logical because God is spirit. Speaking to mountains makes no sense. Even if, it's, even if it's a storm headed your way, it makes no sense. But Psalm 91 talks all about his protection. Well, God has got you. He's gonna be with you in trouble. Over and over again, there are promises. It's, a, it's about the natural realm versus the supernatural realm. Now, faith grows in a process. Precept upon precept, line upon line. One of the differences in faith and presumption is this, that, that faith has to grow in a step-by-step -step procedure, step-by-step -step process. So there are bigger steps. There are some baby steps. There's some big steps. But I would say people talk about the leap of faith. I'm telling you, there are there are. There are exponential things, but you have to understand that God deals with it in a systematic precept. The Bible says precept comes upon precept, line upon line, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. God has given each a measure of faith, but you're responsible to grow it. And growth happens step by step on a daily basis. Think about a ladder. Remember he, uh, Jacob saw the ladder and, and, and he perceived that this was the opening between heaven and earth. And he saw angels going up and down on this ladder right there. He, was, he saw the kingdom connection to earth in the form of steps or rungs. And even the angels of God didn't, didn't, go, didn't go up on one and, and then go to step 11. Think about scales in, uh, in music. On this keyboard over here, you've got, you know, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, right? Everybody knows that? We're not gonna sing it today. 
Pastor Lindsay gave us all some more singing lessons. It was great for a service there. But what happens is you get to eight and you go back to dough, you go back, you're up an octave. So now you've gone up, a, you've taken a scale, you've gone up step by step, then you get to an octave. See, there, there are steps that are like that in life. You don't just go from, you know, dollar bill faith to million dollar faith. It, it, it's exponential. You're dealing, if you're not dealing with thousands and then tens of thousands, don't tell me you have faith for millions because it's right there. It's a, it's a process and God only knows how he's working it in you. And he works with us all individually. He knows where we are, but you got to get to that place where you're, you're dealing in those things. That's why you have people that are, you know, you get people of big vision like Walt Disney and people like that, that they start out with one thing, they wind up with another thing. And all of a sudden it's, it's some big thing happens. You know, you, 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 vision takes faith, but faith is that process. And so these steps become octaves. They become different levels or denominations. Uh, think about the, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a challenge in faith as well because there's a boy with epilepsy in the Bible when, the, when Peter, James, and John come down with Jesus from the Mount of Transfiguration. And this father, desperate father said, Jesus, I took him to these other nine disciples and they can't help my son. What's going on? And Jesus kind of turns and looks at the disciples. <laughs> oh, okay. And he tells, he says, trust God. And the father of the boy makes a statement that seems, it seems to be something that's an oxymoron that it's not. He's, this is where we are. He says, the father says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but fill in the gaps where only you can make that happen. Only you can give me that when I've had so many disappointments. When I've experienced, when my, when my experience says this, I'm trusting your word, but help me to trust your word. Help me to hang on to you, to your promises in times when they look bleak or they look impossible. So make sure that you have the God kind of faith, the faith that God has. We'll talk more about it in a moment. Number two, speak to your mountains. Speak to your mountains. Jesus said, tell your mountains to be removed. Now that word is about eviction. You're serving an eviction notice to obstacles. Get out of here. You have no legal right to block this way. You have to take authority over princes and powers. Remember, our, our, our battle's not against flesh and blood. Our battle's not against people. Our battle is in the supernatural realm against spiritual mountains, spiritual forces that are trying to undermine your fulfillment of God's purpose for your life. Say to those mountains, say to those boundaries, say to those things. Serve eviction notice. The Bible tells us in, in, in Joshua, possess your land. That means the word possess is yaresh. It means occupy by driving out the previous tenants. In other words, serve eviction notice. Where you're coming in, you got to serve eviction notice, not on people, but you got to serve eviction notice on princes and powers. Some folks think that prayer 
means always crying out to God about the size of your mountains. But I believe that prayer of faith also includes declaring to your mountain about the size of your God. And it, do, it just goes to what do you see, who do you see as bigger, the obstacle or the God who's over the obstacle? Because in your heart, when you have faith, you're seeing, that you're seeing the, the size of God instead of focusing on the size of the problem. A lot of people want to beg their way through prayer. But you have to see the Lord bigger and mightier and as your father. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then Jesus releases that relationship with the father. And God is your father. And as your father, you may not have a good idea of what that means on earth. Some of you have great fathers. Some of you didn't have great fathers. But our heavenly father is to be depended on. He's to be counted on. He is faithful. He is true. And he loves us. The difference between praying in confidence as a child of God or thinking like a perpetual victim. We don't beg our prayers. We don't come as unworthy people. The Bible says we come boldly before the throne of grace because he's our father. When our kids were small, They got to the age where they would just sometimes just fling our bedroom door open and just come jump up in the bed. And I was like, what is this? You got your own room now. You're old enough. If you're old enough to jump up in the bed and open the door, you're old enough to be in your own bed. But there are kids. They have access. When you're God's kid, you have access because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you're not a stranger. You're not just, you're not just begging, like, please, may I have some more? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but our kids were like, they didn't beg at dinner time. They want to know what was for dinner, Right? And so we have this situation where we have to understand it. Think of, I was thinking when I was writing this about 85-year-old Caleb in the Old Testament, shows up 85 years old, he's waited 45 years for a promise that when they crossed over with the original spies in Numbers chapter 13, they crossed over and Caleb was the one who said, we can take this, we're well able. And the people said, no, they voted him out. And God said, okay, I'm gonna give you that land. And God said to Moses, tell him he's gonna get that exact land. 45 years go by. Caleb's 85 years old and he shows up to Joshua because Moses is gone. Joshua's in charge now. They've taken, he's helped everybody else possess the land. He shows up at Joshua's office tent and says, hey, remember the promise that Moses made, God gave to Moses? He told me, I could have this land. Give me my mountain. Give me this mountain. That's my mountain. And he said, I'm as strong today as I was at 40. At 85, I have the same strength for going out and coming in because I know that's still my mountain and I'm ready to fight for it. That's bold faith. He wasn't basing it on, well, I wished one day I'd have that mountain. 
God said that's your mountain. And if God said that's your mountain, that's your mountain. If God said that's your land, it's your land. Hang on to him. Trust in him. Keep filling yourself with the word of God. Fuel your faith. Goliath was a mountain of a man. But David didn't just listen to Goliath's insults and load up the slingshot. The Bible says David spoke. David, this shepherd boy, even prophesied God's words to the monster. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. My friends, somebody's, if you would talk to your mountain like that, that thing's going to move. Get that confidence in you, though. Look at David's strategy. Look at David's struggle. And look at how he spoke. He, he spoke this guy that was two or three times his size. And yet he said, this is not about me. This is about what you've done with God and God's people. And he's going to fight. I'm going to say to somebody in the room, the battle is the Lord's. This is not your battle, but you have to step up knowing that it's God's battle, and speak to that thing. Command that thing to come down. That's why that one stone could hit him in the forehead, make contact, and knock him to his knees. Because every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Your words carry power. I'm almost done. Words carry power. Death and life are the power of the tongue. The message said this way, either your words are either poison or fruit, you choose. <clears throat> what you say about others, what you say about, what others say about you, what you say about yourself, what God says about you, all have an impact, but you've got to begin to speak with power and authority. Your words carry weight. When you're born again, Jesus lives in you, and your words and his words are working together. You have authority with words over words and power to reinforce and to break the words of defeat, to break the words of darkness. Hebrews 11.3 from the Amplified says, by faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed. It tells us what frame means in the Amplified. Fashioned, put in order, and equipped to their intended purpose by the word of God. Words frame your world. When God creates, this is, so Jesus said, have the kind of faith God has. What does God's faith look like? When God creates, he speaks. Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos waiting for the rhema, the word of God, and God said, light be. Order came, light came, and flooded in. Your words frame your world. In your life, you can either be a, we talk about thermostats and thermometers here. A thermometer measures the temperature. A thermostat sets the temperature. Your words, you can either be reactive or you can be proactive. Your words to come into agreement with what God has said 
you can begin to set the temperature. You set, listen, you, when we set the temperature here at a certain thing, it's not that immediately. If, if you go into a house that's, you know, 78 degrees and you want to cool it down for the evening down to 72, it's going to take a while. You've got to begin to speak about what God is doing, what he has said, what his scriptures say, what's in your spirit. And the more you talk about it, the more your faith grows. And the more your faith grows, the more you talk about it. It's one thing and another thing. You gotta fill your life with that word because your words frame your world. That's how God works. Jesus, when the enemy spoke and tried to take him out in the wilderness, Jesus said, it is written. Now the devil would say, he, he would quote scripture wrong. He'd quote it out of context. And then Jesus spoke back and said, it is written. And he spoke the word back. If you don't know what's written, then you don't have any, any armory. You don't have any arms ready to fight with. You gotta know what the word says. You gotta know who said it. This is spiritual warfare 101. When his rhema was tested, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus spoke the word and he, and he spoke it in context, not at random. He spoke that word into that moment, into that moment. Number three, deal with your own heart issues. So remember in the text today, <clears throat> it says, have faith in God. Jesus said, whoever says this mountain be removed and does not doubt in his heart, does not doubt in his heart. A big part of faith is the condition of your own heart. It's what you're doing. That's why at the end of it, Jesus circles back to it and says, and if you're holding unforgiveness, you gotta forgive. Because God forgives you to the degree you forgive everybody else. You say, well, you don't know what people did to me. Pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. I'm not saying you justify what somebody did to you. That's not forgiveness. If you think forgiveness is that you're gonna give an excuse to somebody for wronging you, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is once again laying it at the cross, laying it on Jesus and saying, okay, I don't know what their motive was. I don't, I don't need to know what their motive was. I choose to forgive whether I feel it or not. Thermostat. I choose forgiveness. I choose it. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't, but God does. And the Bible says that sin is sin. Have you ever messed up? Have you ever said the wrong thing to somebody? We're all human. Sometimes we talk worse to the ones we love the most than we do perfect strangers. We're sometimes, a lot of times we're nicer to perfect strangers than we are to the ones we love the most, right? That's called a sin nature, that's humanity. But forgiveness is saying, thank God I've been forgiven because I'm not perfect. So I choose to forgive, I choose to forgive. I've said it before, but you know, I had a guy mess me up out of money, quite a bit of money when I was in the insurance business right before the ministry door opened up for me. <clears throat> this guy was basically, I mean, he was, he, he became, 
like a, a type of a wickedness to me and was like a Goliath in my life. I went to work for this guy. He made me all these promises. And then I, I worked for the insurance, made the sales, and he stopped payment on my checks saying, no, we got to build up a reserve he never told me about and all this stuff. Anyway, months go by. In our church, we had uh, the great Bible teacher, Marilyn Hickey, came and did a whole seminar and they sent several of us back to help pray with people that got saved. And I, and I turn around and the guy that messed me up six months earlier was right behind me with his fake smile self. <clears throat> and I'm standing there and the doors of ministry were just opening for me and the Lord spoke to my heart as I'm about to pray with somebody and said, I want you to forgive him. And I thought I had, honestly, I thought I had. I, you know, in my mind, I had such a fight, I, but I said, uh, you know, just, I forgive. And the first time was with gritted teeth. I didn't feel it. That day, as I'd been working on forgiveness, as the Lord spoke to my heart, no, forgive, forgive. I was like, I, I already did that, God. Didn't I already do that? Why are you telling me that? I already did that. I made the choice. I forgive. I'm about to turn around that day. And he just, the guy was just like standing there. And I just grabbed a hold of him and I just hugged on him for a minute. And I just released. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't want to be that, that guy that said, I forgive you when he didn't know that I was still mad. You know, so I didn't say that. I think I even said, forgive me. And something released. So there's, there's, there's declaration and then there's manifestation. But I said it. I set it in motion, trusting God. So the third thing is, let God deal with your heart. Deal with your own heart issues. Doubt, fear, and unbelief are all heart conditions. They're all attitudes lurking to fulfill or to fill in any gap not filled with the word. Faith is a spiritual force. Faith is alive. And Jesus circles back when he talks about that forgiveness. I want to stop right there for a second and just say, I want to encourage you. If you're holding ought, if you're holding, how do you know if you're holding ought? If you're holding on, somebody's name is mentioned and you feel like you have to give an explanation of what they did to you. If, if you did that, you can say, I forgive a million times and you still got, there's still something there. If you feel you have to tell somebody or you hear somebody's name mentioned or you see them at Publix and there's, a, there's still this blockade Oh, a pastor must have seen people at Publix. <laughs> Let's move on. But that's when you know. And that's when you got to deal with it. And it's human. But it's not supernatural. You hear me? Forgive, release. Finally this, number four and last. Believe what you say has power. Faith... You, you, you speak the word, but you've got to actually believe that what you're saying is going to come to pass. That's what the word says. He that believes and does not doubt in his heart that those things he says will come to pass will have what he says. 
Is that what it says? Is that the words of Jesus in your Bible? Then you believe, you have to have a confidence that what you're praying has power. It's easy to believe that when God speaks, his power is released, isn't it? It's easy to believe that when he, when he speaks. But the word says what you speak also releases power into action. Your rhema words will be challenged by the enemy as well. But because Jesus lives in you, set your direction. Finally this, don't just parrot your words. A lot of people just say things, you know. They, they, they'll say scriptures. We used to joke around about, you know, a parrot can copy, but a parrot doesn't have faith. So it's, it's about believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. The parrot can say, you know, my stripes, I am healed. My stripes, I am healed. And the parrot's not healed. He's not moving in faith. So it's got to be with grabbing a hold of what God has said with what God is saying and, and digging into this word, digging into the Bible for yourself to see what it says. Grab a hold of those promises and get it inside of you. Job 22 says this, you shall decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Above all, taking up the shield of faith of all the, of all the armor of God. The Bible says one is more important than anything else. Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench all their fiery darts of the wicked. It doesn't say, it doesn't say take up the shield of faith and it will quench the fiery darts of the wicked for you. It says you take up, above all, taking the shield of faith which will enable you to quench all the fiery darts, all the arrows coming at you from the wicked and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take those things. That, my friends, is Bible faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, we're so desperate for your presence, so hungry for more and more of your word today. We need you so much, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for helping us to sharpen our swords, to take up our shields, to live by your word. We trust in you, Father. We ask you to bless the people. Lord, today if there's any ought, any um, ill will, bad feelings out there toward someone else that's holding any of us back, whether we're here in the room, whether we're watching online, I want to say to you, this is your decision moment to choose to let it go. Choose to release the hurt. Choose to bring it to the cross. You brought your own sin to the cross. Why can't you bring that person's sin to the cross? Why can't you let it go by faith Lay that thing down. Trust in God to deal with them. If that person never says to you, if they never say, I'm sorry, because a lot of people say, well, if somebody say, I'm sorry, I'll release it. No, no. If they never say, I'm sorry, I can still find closure 
because I've been forgiven of so much stupid stuff, forgiven daily for humanness, forgiven daily. Today, make a choice. Make the decision. Staying here a little longer than I intended. This is for somebody. Talk about getting unstuck. You want to move forward? Make it right. You know, when people go through addiction, they go through 12-step programs frequently. And I'm not in agreement with everything of 12-step program, but I'm in, I, I want people to be free of addiction. And there are some principles. One of the principles they have is amends. You go and you try to, you send a letter or you send a check or you do something to make something right to somebody that you messed up when you were high or when you were drugged out and you were drunk, whatever. Just when you were mean, make amends. That's forgiveness, release. So we can move on to the future. I call you today to repentance, not 10,000 hours of psychological therapy. I call you to repent, to get it right between you and God and to release that by faith. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that's the getting on place, that's the beginning. That's the first step of anything in faith is just trusting Jesus. I invite you to say this with me. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me. Forgive me. I know I'm a mess at times. And help me to forgive those who've wronged me. Lord, I believe. But also help my unbelief. Everybody just say this with me. Just say, Lord, build up my faith. Let my faith grow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get something good today? I sure hope so. God is moving. I didn't get to read you this quote, but I'm just telling you real quick. When I, I, I love this quote. I read it recently. We're talking about sharpening your sword. Abraham Lincoln once made this statement. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. I love that quote because all of our swords can get dull. You could have been saved like I have. I've been saved for 42 years. The ax gets dull sometimes. The sword gets a little dull sometimes. You gotta sharpen it up. That's why we're doing this series right now. This is not new to some of you. Some of you is brand new, that's great. But let's take our faith and grow it and build it up in relationship with God, amen? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.